the kill, and Warner wins the set. Fade away by Moores. Today's guest has one of the longest successful resumes amongst all of the great athletes of South Dakota. It'd take me 15 minutes just to read all of the success of our guest. But you have to include him amongst uh, the greatest athletes in our history in the state. Three state high school wrestling championships, a junior world championship, a two-time NCAA wrestling champion, four-time All-American, two-time Olympian, Olympic gold in wrestling in 1984. He's in the South Dakota Sports Hall of Fame, and he's in the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. From Rapid City, Stevens and Rapid City, Stellar, prolific, historic. He's South Dakota's own Randy Lewis, and he joins us now on in play. Randy, you know, I just read a few of those stats and the records that you held while competing. Just off the top of your head, which stat were you most or are you most proud of? Um, let's see. Not That's, any of the ones that you mentioned, actually. Um, Stevens, you went 89 and zero during your last three years, 83 my pins. My last two years, I was 89 with 83 pins yeah. and one default. And, uh, I only, and, uh, I had, I won like 23 to two and, and, uh, 12, zero. I only you, had, I only had two regular decisions in high school in my last three years. You won but, 74 uh, matches in a row when you were at Iowa winning two NCAA titles. Yeah, I had I, I went 91 matches in a row at Iowa without a loss. I had a tie in there against Daryl Burley, who I beat four times in college. <laughs> who was a four-time finalist and two-time champ. But uh, yeah, I had 91 without a loss. But uh, uh, some of the things I'm more proud of though is that I wrestled 27 different guys that placed in the top three in the world during the Olympics. So I wrestled 27. Got different guys that got first, second, or third in the world mm. of the Olympics, and I beat 24 of them. And I've wrestled 24 NCAA champs and beat 21 of them. And I've wrestled and beat somebody from every single United States world and Olympic team from 1968 to 1996, except for the year 1974. And so those, and I'm also one of the proudest things I, I, I have is that. I have the highest scoring NCAA finals match in 1979. I won 20 to 14 against John Azevedo. And, and that's the highest scoring NCAA finals match of all time. It still is. And my gold medal match in 1984 was the highest scoring. It still is. And it was the highest scoring gold medal match in history. That first, uh, that first airplane trip you took to compete as a wrestler, what was that? Do you remember? And what you were thinking on that plane going somewhere to compete in wrestling? Oh, I think the first time I flew somewhere to wrestle was, uh, I think, uh, you know, I was probably in like in seventh or eighth grade. And I remember we, I think it was up in, uh, up in Montana at a, a regional tournament there. And we rented a private plane. <laughs> and a friend of mine, Mark Guy, that wrestled with me, that was a junior high state champion and, and got second at a, at, a, at, a, at a national tournament in 1971 or 72, his dad flew the plane, had his pilot's license. And my first time on it, it was pretty scary. I'm like, and that was on the way back. We went up there and wrestled all right. Then on the way back, we got clogged in, and, and he, he wasn't a very good pilot with the radar or something. And 
wasn't qualified to fly in the fog and we mm. we we were lucky to survive that so you got pretty comfortable though uh flying all around the world later on correct oh yeah yeah <laughs> i've been i've been everywhere just about i've been to ulaanbaatar mongolia not many people have been there been to russia five times uh been to tokyo been to australia been to czechoslovakia yugoslavia uh, mexico Venezuela, Canada. Yeah, I've been everywhere. I've been 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 quite a few places. Randy, your dad told you to be the toughest kid on the block when you were yeah. pretty young. What kind of an influence did your dad have for you in wrestling? Well, he was a great influence. And, and you know, it was like when I was like in fifth grade, I, I won state my first year in wrestling, and we decided that I was going to be Olympic champion. And we set our goals like each year, how bad I was going to beat everybody, and 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 uh, um, uh, what what improvements I was going to make. And we, you know, I started going to camps in sixth grade where Terry McCann, who was an Olympic champ and a, and a two-time national champ from Iowa, was there teaching it. And Myron Roderick was a three-time NCAA champ and was the head coach at Oklahoma State at the time. Was there putting the camp on, and so I was. You know, I, I made sure I did all the things, and my dad and my dad was the guy that organized it, and he paid for other kids to go to camps and tournaments and took them, loaded up the station wagon with seven or eight kids and took them to tournaments and camps. And, uh, um, you know, at that, at that age, I was thinking, like, all my friends were going to grow up and be the ones that played basketball were going to be in the NBA and the mm -hmm. NFL and Major League <laughs> Baseball. And mm -hmm. I, I didn't realize that, you know, not really – not everybody makes it there. <laughs> I thought all my friends were going to be, you know, and I remember Dave Guy was a, he was a wrestler, but then he quit wrestling in junior high. And, uh, but he was a state champion and won nationals in his first year in 1971. And he had a headlock and, and, but then he got into the other sports more and he's asking me, well, what are you going to do to make money after you're, you win the Olympics because you don't get paid in wrestling, but he was like, he was thought he was going to be a pro baseball player. <laughs> so, and I, and I thought everybody was, so I was, I was very naive in thinking that, but wrestling was a sport that you could, if you do all the right things and work your, work your butt off, it's, it's, you can make it there. Baseball and basketball. I mean, you can't teach a guy to be tall or you can't teach a guy to jump and be able to dunk. If he's five, you know, I mean, <laughs> you can't teach height and you can't teach, there's only you. You can sprint all you want, but you're only going to get so fast unless you're naturally fast, you know. So, but wrestling is a sport where you do all the right things, you can be great. And I did all the right things, and my dad helped me a lot. And we, you know, the whole way, the whole way, all the way through the Olympics, and you know, and we even had to go through some legal difficulties with when they tried to screw me off the Olympic team in '84. Mm -hmm. And so my dad, you know, we, you know, we had to. We had lawsuits, and it, so my dad has helped me so much in everything. You know, wrestling parents can be uh, some of the craziest and most fun people to watch during a match uh, in wrestling. What was your dad like when you were wrestling? Well, you know, was he quiet, uh, just watching, or you know, was he I pretty could, active? Okay, it's like when I wrestled in in a match, I could always hear, "Come on, Randy!" and he'd yell at me what to do, and this that. I could hear his voice. And I could hear Coach Long's voice. I, and when I wrestled at Iowa, like, I could hear my dad's voice out of the crowd. And I could hear 
Dan Gables and Jay Robinson, my other coaches, and I could, I could tell, you know. And but, um, <laughs> you know, like by the time you know, I asked my mom what you know they, you know, after my like my when I was like a junior senior in high school, like did she get nervous? She goes, well, not no, not really, because we, you know, I mean, you know, I pinned forty five guys in a row, so they were pretty sure I was going to go out and do okay. <laughs> so. Yeah. They, but but you know they got more nervous you know in the national finals in college and 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 then you know in the Olympics and things like that when you're wrestling the best guys in the world. I had a big belief in myself and I just did all the right things to to get there. You know it's like I ran cross country for three years to get so I was always in great shape when the wrestling season started. Mm-hmm. And you know I wrestled you know I, I had thirty matches a year against South Dakota kids. And then I had 30 matches a year during the spring and summer wrestling freestyle against the best guys in the country. And so I kept improving more and more. And so a guy that I'd beat in sixth grade, six to five, the next year I'd beat him nine zero. And two years later, I'd pin him. I was improving more than the other people that I was wrestling. You know, we lost Tom Long just a couple of years ago, the former Rapid mm-hmm. City Stevens wrestling coach. He was an icon. 33 years of coaching, including being your coach. What did Coach yeah. Long mean to you? Well, he was a very good coach, and, you know, he never wrestled himself. And so, like, he didn't really help me with technique, but what, what he did was he – Jay Swanson was another great wrestler that we had from Rapid City. He was a year older than me and was a two-time state champion and, and won nationals twice and in, in, was a national champion in high school. And Tom Long was – uh, you know, he was smart enough to realize that Jay and I, we were going to all these camps and learning techniques from Dan Gable and other Olympic champs and national champions. And so he let us show the technique and he knew that we knew more technique at that point, even when I was like a sophomore and junior in high school than he did. So he was letting us show the guys the moves to, to hit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I commend him a lot for that and not trying to, you know, he just let us go and do our thing and wrestle. And we were, you know, we knew how to run, we knew how to practice hard and, and, uh, and win. And then he learned a lot from that too, I'm sure. Randy, you talked about, uh, wrestling a lot during the season, wrestling a lot in the off season. You started wrestling as a fifth grader. Was it wrestling all the time? Was there any, any way that any chance that you got tired of wrestling and, and, and needed to get away from the sport starting well, as a fifth not, grader? Okay. I wrestled more and more each year in seventh, eighth and ninth grade. I pole vaulted, you know, and I set the junior high record at West high for seventh graders with, as a pole vaulter. Cause my dad was a state champion pole vaulter in high school and we had a pole vault pit in our backyard. I lived <laughs> in two different houses that we had pole vault pit in our backyard and so I did other sports. I played baseball. I played basketball up through junior high. And, you know, I played football through ninth grade. But then, you know, like when I was a sophomore and a junior and a senior, I ran cross country, at the, you know, during the fall to get in shape, to stay in real good shape. So I was in real good shape when wrestling season started. And then, but then after it really started the most my junior year when I missed like the last two or three weeks of school and I went to the Olympic Training Center and worked out with the Olympic team for six weeks when I was, uh, 
Uh, and I tried out for the Olympics when I was a junior in high school, mm. not with the intention of making it, just to get better to wrestle some of those older guys. I wrestled at 114, and you know, I, I uh, but I actually lost 20 to nine to the guy who got second at the Olympic, you know, was the ultimate for the Olympians that year, Mike MacArthur, and he got second in the NCAA's that year. And I put him on his back three times and lost 20 to nine. I had three, <laughs> three point near falls on him. So, you know, you were close. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, okay. So from then on, you know, I wrestled that whole summer and I wrestled in the AAU national tournament. They also had the, they had basically two different national tournaments. There was the AAU and the USWF and they were, at, they were kind of at war with each other. And one year, well, in, in high school, I'd wrestle in both of them and what, you know, and then, they fought over which one of them got to be in charge of the world championships teams and things and the Olympic teams and stuff like that. So, you know, so I got to, I wrestled more and more each year and I kept getting better and better. And, and, you know, like my senior year in high school, I was, the, I became the youngest American to win the junior worlds, which is the world championships for 20 and under. And the guy that I pinned to win that won the senior, won the world tournament the next two years. And his name was Tamiyama, Hideki Tamiyama from Japan. And he, he and I both ended up winning the Olympics in 1984. And I pinned him in 1977 to win the junior worlds. And then he beat me the next year in the senior worlds, 18 to 10 down in Mexico city. We both made world teams the next year. So I, I just kept getting better and better and doing all the right things and going getting really good workout partners and mm -hmm. learning and working real hard, you know, at the junior world training camp, you know, you know, uh, we were running 11 miles a day, mm. um, which is insane. And Andre Metzger and I were both in high school and we wanted to go wrestle in the high school nationals. Andre was from uh, Michigan at the time and he ended up, he's in the hall of fame and he's, uh, he never made an Olympic team, but he made five world teams and got second got three world medals, got second in the world twice and third once. And, and he got third in the junior worlds that year. And we wanted to go wrestle the, at the AAU national tournament. And, uh, our coach wouldn't let us go unless we agreed to want, run a mile after each match. So I went there and I wrestled 18 matches in three days, Greco Roman and freestyle. And I ran 11 miles in between it and I didn't have time to run them all. And I, I apologized to him and said, hey, I only ran 11 miles straight. And he said, don't worry about it. <laughs> and uh, that was a guy named Bill Wick. And uh, he was an NCAA champion and a great coach. And, you know, I just uh, I just kept doing all the right – working hard and outworking everybody and work working the right way, getting good coaching, good partners. And I had a wild style of I was – you know, I felt like I was supposed to pin everybody and represent South Dakota because I pinned 45 guys in a row. And I see where Kellen March, who broke my record last year with 49 pins in a row, uh, he just beat in his first college match. Uh, he beat the guy ranked seventh in the country in Division One, and he's at North Dakota State. So South Dakota has had some great wrestlers. Yes, they have. In Lincoln fact, Mac that Bill Shear, Bill and Jim Shear. Oh yeah. You know, from Oldbridge. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. The now they they got the younger guys. Let's see. Uh, you got Logan the, Storley, of course. Storley you, you, and Kirk, and, uh, Kirk Wallman, uh, Caden yeah, Lamer. Uh, you got Rick yeah. Jensen uh, of Watertown. Yep. Nick yep. Smith of Yankton. Yeah, um, yeah. Then let's see who's the uh, and then well, geez, how about how about 
I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but I'll catch it in a minute. From uh, that he he wrestled against Logan Storley. This is Division One, three years in a row. South Dakota boys wrestled for third and fourth place at the NCAA tournament. Logan Storley and um, drawing a blank on the other kid's name. I don't. Um, and I I don't remember either. Yeah, I think he was from what. Thank you, some Webster. Can't remember. I'll, I'll think of it. But anyways, um, yeah, South Dakota's had some great wrestlers. Then the Koslowski's and Greco. You're thinking you Brock Lesnar? Yeah, Brock Lesnar, yeah. yeah. It wasn't Brock Lesnar that I'm thinking about, though. He wasn't quite at 174. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't. Uh, Nash Hutmaker of Chamberlain and oh, yeah, Kellen yeah, March. Kellen March both broke your pin record on the same day. Last yeah, year. that's unreal. <laughs> Forty years, I held that record. It, it was just a state record that they broke at the time when I said it was a national record, but it got broke about six times on the national level. But for the state record in South Dakota, forty-five straight pins lasted for forty years, and yeah, Nash Hutmaker and Kellen March both broke it on the same day in, in tournaments. They were about two hours apart. They were both within an hour of Sioux Falls. Talking about your style as a high school wrestler, did it change in college and did it change in your preparation for the Olympics? You know, my sophomore and junior years, you know, I, I, my sophomore year, I was 29, over 29, 29 pins. And I was 30 and 0 with 27 pins in my junior year and 30 and 0 with 27 pins. So I was always a pinner. And, but, my junior year, I got beat at, at the at the USWF Nationals. I got beat 8-7, to 11-9. Like, when I got in on the shots on them, I scored. And when they get in on me, they scored. And I, I went and I, I went to the Olympic trials, and I tried out, and that's where I I, uh, I was at 114. And, and But I watched Wade Chalice wrestle, and he won the Olympic trials tournament. And he beat Lee Kemp in there. And Lee Kemp went on to win three world titles. And... Uh, uh, I watched Wade Chalice let people in on his leg, and he l- pulled him up and threw him with a leg lace throw, and he did all these el- – he had these funky little moves. And I changed my style my senior year in high school. I mean, I knew I was pretty much going to pin everybody, so I didn't shoot near as much, and I, I changed my stance, and I let people shoot in on my leg because I wanted to get really good. And in six months, I, I got really, really good at counter at counter wrestling, so I changed it a lot. You know, I tell people I had the impossible leg and the nearly impossible leg. <laughs> so I, I uh, like this leg, it's impossible you to score on me, and this one's nearly impossible. I learned that from Stan Desick and Wade Chalice. And, you know, I just kept getting better and better, and I'd add things. And sometimes, like, the same moves that worked for me was, as a freshman and sophomore in college, as soon as they didn't work against the best guys in the country and if it, it, it didn't work against national champions, if it only worked against guys that were lesser wrestlers, then I threw it out and I didn't, didn't use it because mm. I was training to beat the best guys in the nation and the best guys in the world. You so, had, you had Dan Gable as your coach at Iowa when you went there, won a couple of titles yeah. and he was also your coach for the Olympics. So, so you yeah. like 15 years, you guys were together. I mean, did he yeah. also be a part of the way and the style of your wrestling in college and in the Olympics? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, but more and more so than that was Jay Robinson helped me with my technical things, like what I needed to do to beat specific people. 
And, you know, when I, I, I never really had to change my style very much, but there were small adjustments you had to make. And, and I was able to pick them up really fast. And, uh, okay, like put your hand here instead of here, you know, like three inches higher for this and, 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 and you know, things like this. Wrestling was something that you could show me something and I would understand it right away because I'd spent so much time on the mat and I had, I had a style in practice that I'd let people get in on me and get behind me. And I'd try all these different things and see what worked. I tried a lot. I put myself in a lot of positions that I would not get in, in a match unless somebody was really, really good to get me there. And I'd wrestle, but I'd let guys get me in some positions where I'd see if I could come out of. And I came out of some stuff, you know, like people could pick me up in the air with a double leg. They'd have me on their shoulders and I, would still take them down every time. I mean, I, I, I just kept getting better and better. And the techniques that I used as a freshman and sophomore, you know, people scout you. Once you become the best guy in the country, then everybody's watching film and they're scouting you. Mm-hmm. And you got to add new moves. And I, <laughs> I always had new moves. And so, like, in 1980, when I made the Olympic team, I had never hit a single gut wrench on anybody, which is a move that you use on top. And that's because the rules then didn't really allow gut wrenches because they usually score it 2-2 because, unless you wanted a real high arch. Well, then they changed the way that they scored it. So in, in 1984, four years later, I was the best guy in the world with the gut wrench. And then I was even better in 1988 with the gut wrench. And so and, and they, they've changed the rules. They've shortened the matches. And, they, you know, and wrestling's gone through. Every four years, they changed the rules. I was able to add add new things. So the, the 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 moves that I hit on you two years ago, that my I might have hit the move twenty times two years ago. My my sophomore year in college, I might have hit my favorite move twenty different times, mm. and then two years later, I never hit it again because people learned learned how to turn it, or I got or I learned something from that position better than that. And the lace leg that I learned from Wade Salas back in nineteen seventy six, I pinned a lot of great people through some great people with it hit it in the NCAA finals when I was a junior in college well in 1986 I blew my knee out and I had an injury real bad injury to my right knee so I could never lace that leg again and hit that throw well then I learned how to just step outside and block the knee on the outside and it was even it was better technically and it was faster and it it is and I would have never learned it if I wouldn't have got injured and and all of a sudden uh, it was a move that I hit on John Smith and Nate Carr and Tom Brands, and those are three world champs and Olympic mm. champ. You know, these those are three great wrestlers, and I hit it on the Russian. It was a world champ at 149. I hit him three times on it in one match, and it was a new technique that I learned that I had to do because I couldn't lace like a guy. So I was always adding new stuff all the time, and I experimented in all sorts of positions and practice. And I, want to, I want to talk about an event um, that most people, uh, if they want to see it, they can still go to YouTube and find it. But it was, I believe, April 2nd, 1980, Rushmore Plaza Civic Center in Rapid City. Oh, yeah. 7,000 people at the Rushmore Plaza yeah. Civic Center. A dual yeah. meet between USA and the Soviet and Union. Russia, yeah. And, and I was told it, it was the first live broadcast on national television from South Dakota. That it was the very first live broadcast in South Dakota on national television 
that one from my good old friend Bob Laskowski, who uh, used to be my radio uh-huh. partner. And, of course, Bob was a Rapid City uh, broadcaster for many, many years before he joined me in Sioux Falls. But, uh, one, how did Rapid City get to host that duel? You know the well, story behind that? Yeah, but that's thanks to my dad. Um, the Russians would come over once a year, and they wrestled it was like, usually like a week or two after the NCAA tournament, so it would be around the first week of April. And they came and they'd, they'd wrestle three dual meets against the United States, and they'd wrestle in the World Cup, which was always in Toledo, Ohio. Well, and cities would bid on it, and they'd make a you know proposal. And my dad wanted Rapid City to have it. He knew about it because, you know, I'd been in, wrestled in, the, in some other duels. And he inquired if Rapid City could edit, and my dad put it on. He he organized everything, and to this day, Stan Desick, who was uh, and and Jim Shear and Bill Shear and and almost everybody that was everybody that was there and everybody knows, they said that was the most successful USA Russia dual meet ever, still to this day, and it was the first time we'd ever beat the Russians in a dual meet. And uh, it had the big biggest crowd, and it was it was just fantastic. And you pinned and the two time world champion. Yeah. What yeah, was that? What was that right. like after the pin and the crowd just yeah. went crazy? Well, the only greater one I've had than that was in the that was way better than winning the NCAA's. Um, the only bigger win for me was winning the Olympics, and that that was you know my second biggest thing beaten was that pin in Rapid City. Have you ever considered, did you ever consider coaching, getting coaching into more, whether the high school or the college level? I wrestled for 15 years at Iowa. I wrestled until I was 33, and I coached while I was there, okay? And I considered myself more of a wrestler than a coach. I got out of coaching because you couldn't, you couldn't make a living at it. When, when I was 33 years old, Barry Davis had been the assistant coach at Iowa for six years. And his salary was $23,000 a year. The wrestling was way underpaid. The coaches were. There was no other coach. Jimmy's last was a, the other assistant. He was making $29,000 a year. There was no coach at the University of Iowa besides those two making less than $30,000 a year. So I, I I wanted to make a good living. And, and so in my, you know, my dad had some money and he helped me buy a video store down in Arizona. And I moved down there and... You know, I, 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 I made good money and played like playing golf and this and that. And I still, <laughs> I still went, when I was down there, I coached, I was a volunteer coach for uh, Phoenix junior college for two years and a volunteer coach at Arizona state for two years. So I have done some coaching. And, and when I was 47 years old, I, I ended up back in Iowa city and I ended up coaching the Hawkeye wrestling club. I was the head coach of the Hawkeye wrestling club for three years. And during those three years, Tom Brands won, and the Iowa Hawkeyes won three national titles. We won all three years that I was there, so and I'm proud to be a part of that. So I, I, I still, and I still hop out. I do clinics every now and then. And but when Jimmy Zaleski was the head coach at Iowa, after he'd won three NCAA titles, his salary was sixty-two thousand dollars a year, and at that time I was making a lot more than that running owning a video store. Now Tom Brands is making four hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. So it, it's like would you be like to be a pro athlete if they weren't paying you enough to live on? No. 
which I, I'd like to coach wrestling, but not when I'm poor and can't pay my bill. You know, so, uh, times have changed a little bit as a, a few South Dakota wrestlers after uh, high school or college went to compete in mixed martial arts, you know, the MMA, uh, Devin Clark yeah, of Sioux Falls, yeah. Logan Storley of Webster, uh, David Michaud of Pine Ridge, Brock Lesnar, yeah. of course, of Webster. Now, if right. MMA were around when you were competing, would that have interested you? Yeah, that would have. I mean, I never got in fights, but you don't need to get in fights to be good in the MMA. I was really good in wrestling, and I understood the chokehold very well. I, <laughs> I experimented with it a little, and I, I think I – I could have been very good there. And <laughs> I would like fighting and making a million dollars a year more than uh, wrestling and making $20,000 a year, you know. <laughs> You're 61. Um, what still interests you about wrestling today? You know, they right now they've got really good rules in wrestling. There's a lot more action. I mean, the rules in wrestling internationally, I swear to God, I did a thing that they – they got more low scoring and more boring every single year. <laughs> there was some FILA, the international governing body of wrestling was terrible. And they almost got the wrestling kicked out of the Olympics until they had to make major changes. And, you know, I, I went to 40 straight NCAA tournaments and, you know, everybody knows me there. And I love the, I, I love, I've made, I have so many friends in wrestling. Everybody knows me and I know everybody. And, and so I'm still around it and I follow it, but there's some great wrestling, great skills right now. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a great sport. Girls wrestling in South Dakota don't have the full squad of 13 weight classes, but it is the first right. year. Your thoughts of girls wrestling now in South Dakota. Well, I'm glad they do. And it's, you know, they've got girls in the Olympics now. And, uh, you know, I mean, and I doubt if they'll ever have as many weight classes as the men because, okay, there, there's, you know, I mean, there's, there's not very many, there's not 185-pound girls and 220-pound girls and heavyweight girls mm -hmm. that are going to want to wrestle or, or that, you know, I mean, so, you know, like if they're at 98, 105, 112, when, you know, they're, you're not going to get that many. I mean, just like because they aren't big girls, uh, you know, I mean. But there is a lot of interest. There, there is certainly a lot of interest in it, which is which is great to see. Um, Canton oh, yeah. and yes, uh, some of these schools yes, around Sioux Falls, uh, they're uh, they're seeing a lot of interest, and uh, I, I think it's going to be great uh, here in the state. All right, last uh -huh. last question for you. The probably the most asked question for Randy Lewis, and it certainly was when Jimmy Carter said in 1980, "We're not going to the Olympics. We're boycotting." You were, uh, were you the number one wrestler in the world at the time? You had a chance to, to be an Olympic champion in 1980. I, I think in, 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 in 1980, I will tell you this, I was the healthiest. I was in the best shape of my life. I was the healthiest I'd ever been. The matches were nine minutes. They were way longer than they are now, and they were action-packed. I, I would have had a chance to pin my way through the Olympics. I pinned, I pinned the Russian two-time world champ who would have been there Olympian, but he got hurt and didn't go. So I never did wrestle the guy. I pinned the guy that got second, third, and fourth in the Olympics that year. I would have had a chance to pin everybody I wrestled in the Olympics. And those, those foreigners could not go nine, nine minutes with me. And it'd be like, I could be 10 to 10 at the end of the first period. I had wild matches. So action packed. And, and that, um, I would have been very hard for any foreigner to beat in 1980. 
what did that disappointment mean to you and how did you handle it in 1980 when you weren't going to go to the Olympics? You know, I don't really remember being very di- that disappointed over it because you know what? I mean, I was only a junior in college at the time. I was the youngest guy on the Olympic team. And I said, well, I guess I'll have to wait four more years to win the gold. And that's what I had to do. So, you know, I don't remember being devastated by it. You had to wait four years, though, to get that Olympic gold medal. It, it was more devastating to me when when they took a world title away from me in 82 when I, in the semifinals, when I pinned my first five guys that I wrestled and then wrestled the defending world champ and beat them 13 to 11. And then they, I came back to wrestle in the finals that night and they told me I'm wrestled third and fourth. They screwed me and they, they went behind closed doors and they made up points and they gave him a 13-13 criteria decision. You know, so, I mean, it was... And then I then they tried to steal the Olympics from me in '84 when USA Wrestling did that after I beat Leroy Smith. So those things really really hurt when they after I won the match and got my hand raised they stole the victories from me and gave it to the other guy. That was brutal. Um, you know, like Lee Camp and some of these other guys that were on in Gene Mills that only that made one Olympic team and were at their best in 1980. You know, I, I'm fortunate that I did get another opportunity. And I almost, you know, in 88, I beat John Smith and won the trials, won the Olympic trials there. And I was on top of the world then. And I beat the Russian world champ and the Russian silver medalist in the Olympics that year. So, you know, I mean, I don't ever sit back and think about not, not being a, you know, like I, could, I was good enough to win the Olympics three times, maybe even four. And, I mean, I beat, I was, in 1992, I moved up to 149, and I wrestled the world champ and beat him and pinned him and wrestled three different guys who got second and third in the world and pinned them and beat them. I don't have a memory of being disappointed. I, I know I was disappointed that we didn't get a go, but I never dwell on it or think about it. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us gain new listeners. This has been In Play with me, Craig Maddock. This is a production of South Dakota Public Broadcasting.